You, traveller, what do you know of this land? Do you wish to learn of its law? Come, <laughs> rest your weary feet and warm yourself by the fire. Let's share some mead, listen to tales of misadventure, and learn of Tamriel's rich history with the law seekers. <laughs> ah, here they are now. Jibs and cash. I'm getting really good at cooking this stuff. Hmm. Um, oh, hey, how's it going? Hey, Have you welcome. Seen? Cash, can you hook them up? Yeah, yeah. You like homebrew? I hope so, because that's about all we got. <laughs> Homegrown moonshine. Uh, so, what's been going on? What you, uh, what's been going on in old Tamriel for you? Anything new? I mean, it's kind of dank out here, you know, we kind of hear the... You know, if y'all hear any, like, pistons in the background, it's, uh, hanging outside of this Dweemer ruin. Not quite sure what's inside that thing, but that's all good. Yeah, it's almost like there's some kind of renovation going on in there, but, you know, we found a nice little spot, uh, back behind the ruin, and it's quiet back here. Mm. It's been nice. It's been a really, you know, kind of a hard journey for us. We're, we're trekking right through Reaper's March and, um, picking up stuff along the way, and, we're learning a lot about the culture around here, and we'll talk a little bit about that later when we do our lore lesson. But um, I've had a, I've had a pretty good week. It's been a, it's been a good good week with you, my friend. We've had um, lots and lots of new things learned. Agreed, uh, and this I know week. we'll share that a little bit as far as you know some of the new things we found. But yeah, I'm totally digging. This whole area right here. There are a lot of bandits around here. Right? What the heck, man? Like, you can't go 10 feet without aggro in some kind of danger. Yeah, well, I mean, we tend to stick to the roads and just because it's like the straightest path and usually run into some pretty interesting figures on the roads. But um, it's just been a good week of questing. And, uh, you know, another thing that we've been doing along with our, uh, our friends in our Lore Seekers Guild is helping out some new folks this week. It's really been pretty neat. We've had a steady flow of folks coming into our community. And what's nice is we have such a mixture of experience levels in, with our folks in our guild that... Not only do they have the experience in the game, but they have the want to teach. So we have started something new at the Lore Seekers Guild, and we've really kind of dived into it this week. And it's um, we're doing something called ESO 101 Live within our guild. And really, this is the brainchild of Beta Race. He's one of our officers. Really, really good dude. And... He just wanted to make sure that the newer folks in our guild were not being left out in any respect. So we started this series where it, within the guild, we're putting on events throughout the week to help people of all levels, but mostly helping the new folks at learning how to do dungeons, mm -hmm. how to do delves, how to do public dungeons, mm -hmm. how to you know do different things with your character, answering questions. And uh, we did some PvP with uh, Jen in our guild. Mm -hmm. And uh, last night we had 
a dive into the public dungeon system with Blood Eye. And it's been very well received. So it's been really a neat week of watching the people in our guild flourish and thrive and help others and really get the lore seeker spirit in what we're doing. And I couldn't be happier. I think our folks are amazing folks. And if you're looking for a place and you're a new player, come and join us. We're on PC. We're on Xbox One. And we are on PlayStation 4. Agreed. In fact, I've been going through apps and a lot of what I've been seeing lately is people are tired of doing solo play and they want to branch out and they want to get into get into group content and they're wanting to get in a good community, so there's that as well. But anyway, we got a jam-packed show for everybody here on this wonderful evening out here in the wilderness. Welcome everybody to Volume 2, Episode 2 of the Lore Seekers Podcast. I am Jibs. And I'm joined by my better half, Cash. Oh my gosh, we really are like forest husband and wife, aren't we? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, dude. Yeah, I I think um, unless this is your first show that you've listened to, uh, it's pretty palpable that Jibs and I are very close friends. So I allow him to get away with little nibs like that, and every once in a while I take a little nib out of him. It's true, but. yeah, we've we've just had it. We've had a great week and, you know, um, busy real life week, but oh, man. Uh, really yeah. just fun. Just fun in ESO. I mean, Sweet. I just I am still so amazed at how I am not I just have I cannot lose interest in this game. I just can't. It's so much fun to play and there's always stuff to do and I just am devouring it. Man, I agree. 100% and I feel like for those of you who are bin- who binge listen to the show because believe it or not I really didn't think you know when we came back and started the show I I guess like I, I knew people binge watch Netflix and all that but it just didn't occur to me I guess that people binge podcasts <laughs> we've heard it numerous times so I feel like anybody who's binge listening to the show it's going to be quite humorous for them you know just listening to our, our how we develop as pl- our, our play style over the course of this show. Um, that being said, I think I have contracted cash altinitis because I you, am you're contracted. What? Wait, pump the brakes. You heard me. Cash altinitis. It's like. Oh, a, I th- do you mean altaholism, alta- or are you having a mini stroke right now? What is that? Altaholism. There you go. Oh well, that too. Mine's the oh, more I serious were, note. I thought you were a gamer. Well, <laughs> Here, pull up my, my gamer words card. are hard. words are hard. <laughs> but uh, no, I've started another alt. Man, I don't know what it is. Like you work so hard to get to fifty, and then something just. Well, here's what happens. Here's what happens. You hang out in the lore seeker Discord, and people are just talking, just you know, chit chatting, whatever, having a good time, chilling, playing. And someone brings up a magblade. Uh, for those of you who don't know what that is, that is a Magicka Nightblade. And I'd never done one before, never played one, so I thought, huh, let's give this a go and just test it. See if I like this. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's so good. Dude, that's great. I mean, I I want you to love 
what you play and you should love what you play. I finally found the perfect balance in how I'm playing. And I, I've always loved my Sork. Actually, I wasn't even really like, a, you know, a caster type of a player. I have always, I was just talking to Baderies about this today. I have always been, just like him, more of a ranger style player. So range damage with a bow. Right. And when I play fantasy game, that's just what I play. I don't really play melee. I'm, I don't really dig it all that much. I really don't play tanks much. But when I rolled my Sork, I tried all kinds of different stuff. And then I rolled my Sork. And now that I'm getting much higher in CP level, he is way fun to play. Like, if I need my go-to, I go to Cash the Lore Seeker. And he melts stuff. And I use the all-cast build. Yes, I use a double pet system. I'm starting to just kind of mess around with just the one pet system on my Sork. But... He is so powerful that I really enjoy playing him. He's just a blast to play. Right. So when I log on now, I play, I, I really just try and work on my CP level, and I, I pretty much do all content, all PvE content on Cash the Lore Seeker unless there's a need. Right. I also have a, a pretty powerful Templar, a Magicka Templar healer, which I really enjoy playing. Yep. But for them, and I have, you know, some utility. I have a tank, and then I have my PvP player, my PvP character. Um, but for the most part, if I'm just doing my thing, I'm really proud of myself. I'm sticking to my one character, my Sork, and I'm really enjoying every bit of it. That's awesome. That's that's good. Like, and I'm I'm glad you're there. Like, I'm not there yet. Like, I'm I'm discovering that. So, I've got my warden that I really enjoy for PVE content. He's pretty much become my main DPS. I like his I like his style. I like his build. Um, very AOE uh, DPS type that I've got him set up for, and that's the one I was using in trials that we were doing a couple weeks ago in Cloud Rest, and that worked out well. So I'm probably going to stick with that. Um, then I got the Templar for heals, which uh, for mainly for PVE, but also. I'm working towards just getting some extra armor just to dabble with heals within the PvP. And then, this Magblade. And, okay, first off, shout out to two people. An apology to one. I gave you my word. I'd give you an apology on the air. <laughs> one. Uh, shout out to Shoe Swapper and Jen from the Lore Seeker community. Your help. They They just answered every single question. That I could dream up about Magblades. It was like a crash course on Magblades, and it was awesome. Apparently, I think I made some kind of comment or something about Nightblades in the past on this show. I don't, I don't know what it was, but I don't know if it was satisfactory or what. But yeah, sorry about that. Nightblades are awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, they can be, and the, uh, Magblades are very fun. My my crafter, uh, Forge Maven, mm-hmm. is a Magblade. And I take him to go do all my gathering and whatnot. He's a very, very fun class to play. I've actually specced him into PvP a little bit, but I think it's a little, it's quite a bit more of a complicated class to play in PvP. So I haven't quite gotten there yet because my main PvP uh, character is my, is another sorcerer, which I really like. But I I hope you dig it. I I hope you love it. I I hope you like this Magblade because I want to see you get to that same love for your character that I have for my Sork. Yeah, it's... 
I, I started it 24 hours ago, and I'm level 22. <laughs> um, he's, uh... I see why people play them in PvP. Like, someone... If you're a brand new... If you've never touched the Nightblade... I always looked at the Nightblade like that was a class I was going to play at some point, but I could just never figure out how I wanted to get into it. Man, they've got stuns, they've got heals, they've got DPS, and on top of that, they've got slows. Like, I see why people play these in PvP. And yes, they have rotations, but at the same point, it's very situational with them. And so, like, when you're playing them, and, and I particularly, mainly right now I'm doing Battlegrounds, it's very... Um, it really kind of depends on what you're fighting, and I was so proud. I was so incredibly proud, because, I, and I was shocked all at the same time. I was able to take on a high CP level character that had way better gear than I did in PvP and hold my own, and it was almost like a stalemate, and it was, it was a Nightblade versus Nightblade, and it's such a unique class. Like, I, I didn't realize, you know, gosh, just the impact that they that they have on the battlefield so really really fun class highly encourage people to check it out it's good stuff yeah there's a lot of uh, a lot of self heals um which come from the soul leeching uh yeah. in that class and you you know you just kind of mashing buttons and you don't realize that man my health bar is like not going down so until you really have to be rooted and stunned in order yep. for another player to start taking your your health down Right, right, and and uh, also on top of that, you know, if you're doing the whole stealth deal, you know, with the Nightblade, and I went ahead and made him a vampire, and I went Dunmer to get some of the passives from Vampire and Dunmer because they have the resistance to fire. Uh, you know, eventually you hit rank nine in vamp vampirism, and you lose the debuff when you're stealth, so you no longer move slower when you're stealth you move the same speed and so it's just like you are constantly on someone's heels whenever they're running from you it's it's fun it's good nice nice it's good well enough about that we we probably should do a show so anyway here on volume two episode two of the show today we are talking about a whole lot of news we got more news than than uh and community manager pa manager patch notes. I mean, we got a stupid amount of news today. <laughs> uh, we're talking everything from the mid-year mayhem PvP event. Uh, we're going over the last ESO live. Uh, Alambrus outfit styles, that's a thing. We're going to be talking about that. And you've been patiently waiting, and you've been respectful of the fact of when we were going to cover it. So we're doing it today for you. We are doing a complete lore lesson on the Imperials. And yes. answering your emails at the end. So, are you ready? Yeah. I'm ready. Imperials make sense for this episode just because of where I we're do. at in the world. Yeah. We're in Reaper's March, and yep. it is very relevant. So, mm -hmm. Agreed, my friend. All right, well, I've got some stuff from the town crier here. Here's the new... Yep. Okay, here it is. Uh, Alright, so starting off first, Mid-Year Mayhem PvP event is going on right now. For those of you who didn't know, this was a post over ESO's uh, official website. Mid-Year Mayhem is happening, and you need to get into this. Even if you don't play PvP, and if you've listened to the life of this show, we went from not really dabbling in ESO PvP to 
being very 50-50 PvE, PvE and PvP. Isn't it funny the timing of this? Yeah. How it just happens that Mid-Year Mayhem is coming out like right when you and I and a lot of folks within the Lore Seekers Guild have fallen in love with PvP yeah. and Battlegrounds. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, and, and I love the fact, too, that it totally goes along with the Imperial lore lesson because it's the Mid-Year Mayhem is very Imperial-themed. And so this is just one big ball of awesome today for everybody. So He says big ball. Big ball of awesome. Uh, that's an Indiana term, apparently. Um, so this is running from Thursday, July 26th. So if you're listening Friday, it's been a few days. Uh, but this is going all the way to August 6th at 10 a.m. Eastern. Now, like I said, we've got a huge amount of news, so just buckle up. We'll go through this together here. So during this time, you can win honor and bonus rewards by following the steps below. Number one, visit the in-game crown store and acquire and activate the details on the Mid-Year Mayhem ticket. If you were a part of the uh, the anniversary event, you know, where we had the whole cake and you get the bonus XP, same deal, different item. Uh, you'll see how here in a minute. Number two, travel to your Alliance War Faction's main gate in Cyrodiil using the Alliance War menu. Find the NPC called Predicant Mayra and pick up the quest Mid-Year Mayhem. Now, keep this in mind, if you have already completed this quest, you know, like the previous year, you don't need to do this again. You just activate it. But anyway, number four, complete the quest to receive your scroll of Palen... <laughs> yeah, I'm going to butcher this. <laughs> Palenal. Palenial. Pel- Palenal's ferocity. <laughs> This is good homebrew, isn't it? <laughs> it's so good. Uh, Palenol's Ferocity and Palenol's Mid-Year Boon Box. Number five. Use the scroll to enjoy a two-hour 100% buff in the Alliance War Imperial City in Battlegrounds to Alliance Points Gained, XP Gains for PvP Player Kills. You can keep the scroll and reuse it for the duration of the event. So basically, every two hours, use the scroll. Get you that, get you that buff. Uh, like like I said earlier, if you've already completed this last year, all you got to do is go to your mementos, activate the scroll. I believe that's where it's going. I'm assuming it's going to be in mementos. Um, if you previously earned the scroll and misplaced it, don't worry. You can pick up another from the Predicant for 100 gold or 100 alliance points. So that's pretty easy. Yep. Uh, so, to help Zoss is doing this for us, to ensure you are able to take to the field, they're opening up two additional seven-day CP Alliance War campaigns during the event and have additional ones ready to go if needed. Now, here's the last part of this. Uh, that this just trip. means that you have to coordinate with your friends and be in the same one they're in. Yep, pretty much. Yep. Pretty much. Make sure you communicate. Communication is key. Uh, during the event, all nodes in Cyrodiil and the Imperial City will drop double their regular resources. The Cyrodiil PvP Merchant. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to try to say his name. I'm just going to say... Okay, I'm gonna t- let me take a stab at it. Okay. All right, go. Adazabi Abadaro. Wow. 
Okay. Do you think that they put these things in the game just because they know there's dimwits like us that can't pronounce it? You know, I think that's probably a good 5% of the reason why they do this. <laughs> I think the writers and the lore masters probably have something where they just sit there and listen to people like us, like struggle through these names and they <laughs> laugh. Like, oh, this is going to be good. This is yep. going to be good. Guaranteed. They're going to butcher it. But no, I think you nailed it. Good <laughs> job. Uh, he's also known as, quote, the Golden. Uh, he will stock Alliance War legendary quality jewelry. Ooh, Ooh. Yes, yes, yes. In the first week of the event, and here's what I'm talking about. If you're into PvE, you need to get into PvP for this. You may find out you like it. You are able to purchase necklaces. And in the second week, you can acquire the rings. You can find him in the Western Ellsweir Gate, Northern High Rock Gate, or Southern Homarowin Gate once you enter Cyrodiil. So there's that as well. Winners on the battlefield can earn a special collectible that is only available during the Mid-Year Mayhem event, the Mid-Year Victor's Laurel Wreath. Very imperial. Long story short, it's metal leaves. You've seen them in movies. Very Romanesque. Where around a noggin. So there's that. Uh, let's see. To earn this glorious head headdress... I like how they say glorious. That's that's humorous. Uh, you must unlock the, quote, Star Made Knight achievement by completing each of the seven Mid-Year Mayhem event achievements. I don't know if I'm going to be able to complete all these, to be honest with you. Uh, I bet you we will. We can probably do some kind of a guild event where we get into this, but it is quite a formidable task. It is. Uh, Mayhem Connoisseur. Cash, you want to go through these? I'll let you take Yeah, them. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the first step towards getting the Star Made Knight achievement is the Mayhem Connoisseur. You get this by receiving the blessing of the White Strike at one of the Alliance Gates during Mid-Year Mayhem. Mm -hmm. The second achievement you need to do is the Echo of Pelinal's Fury. This is reading a scroll of Pelinal's Ferocity during the Mid-Year Mayhem. The third achievement is the Hand of the White Strike. Acquire your 25th Pelinal's Mid-Year Boon Box. I assume those are going to be the uh, prizes that you get for Battlegrounds and such. The next achievement is the Wrath of the White Strike. That is defeat 50 opponents during the Mid-Year Mayhem. You're going to have to dedicate some time to PvP to make that happen. For sure. Yeah. Uh, The next is the Pelinivent, the Scourge. Win a Battleground match during the Mid-Year Mayhem. Mm-hmm. Not too difficult. Nope. Uh, then there is the Pelinaline, the Bloody. Capture a keep in Cyrodiil during the Mid-Year Mayhem. You kind of sneak around with your friends if you're not into he- uh, head-on combat and probably do that one. Mm-hmm. And then there is the Pelinarif Insurgent. Capture an Imperial District during the Mid-Year Mayhem. Also not difficult to do, but uh, I believe that one is in the Imperial uh, Sewers. Mm-hmm. So you'd have to go down to the sewers in order to capture that. I'm pretty sure. If I'm wrong, send us hate mail. And Imperial I'll City it. or sewers. Is, yeah, that's one of those. Um, yep. So, yeah. I, you know, I really don't think that's going to be too bad now that, now that you've read, it, read over it. Um, you no, just need you a, just, you get, just need a group. Yeah, get in a group and make that. This is your goal. You know, you maybe tackle one a night. Yeah, you, you got go. two weeks. 
You know, yeah. plenty of time. Doable. I think, to be honest with you, you know, what I think will take the longest is the defeat fifty opponents. Well, yeah, maybe. I mean, if they're saying defeat fifty, I wonder if they mean assists count. That's yeah. That's if you take the if assists assist, out. That's easy. Yeah, but if it's killing blows, yeah, they'll they'll take you a minute to get fifty. Uh, so you must own the Imperial City DLC game pack in order to earn all the required achievements. Oh, and everybody's gonna be all pissed about that. Paywall. They lock it behind the paywall. They lock it. God. You know what? Here's my comment to that: sub and get an unlimited crafting bag, and get everything for free, yeah, aside just, from the major expansions. Just, just yeah, fifteen gonna... bucks. That's two meals from. That's a. If you're a parent with, or even if you if you're you're paying for a girlfriend's meal, that's Taco Bell right there. That is one evening at Taco Bell, fifteen bucks a right. week. Or if you're you know a younger kid that doesn't have income, then go cut some lawns. It's summertime, yeah. grass is growing right now. Yeah, man, that's one lawn, one lawn. Yeah. That'd be like, yeah, that, that that'd be nothing. You totally could do that. So I I don't I, don't, I really don't get into the whole crying about. That that's that's harsh, or being upset about the you know behind the paywall because it's I don't know you you get it all for free it's fifteen. Uh, They're out there. Yeah, and you must also participate in both the Alliance War, Battlegrounds, and Imperial City matches. Uh, here's some more rewards. As you're going full, <laughs> why did I write this on the show? <laughs> okay, so. As you're going full Bosmer and claiming victory on the battlefield, you can earn special mm, palinals, palinas, pel. <laughs> oh my god! I just went through like ten different iterations of palinals. Yeah. Come yeah. on, get your pel- crap together. Pel- I'm trying real hard. I'm trying. <laughs> They're like, yeah, you talk about the paywall, but you can't even pronounce words. <laughs> Pelinol's <laughs> uh, mid-year boon boxes in addition to your regular rewards for the worthy containers. So yes, you were correct earlier. This year, you can also earn the boon boxes from the repeatable town, battle, bounty, conquest, scouting, and warfront quests in Cyrodiil, as well as the Battlegrounds repeatable quests too. Uh, the mid-year boon boxes can, t- can contain any of the following. So here we go. Transmute crystals... Alchemy reagents, PvP consumables such as repair kits, which we all know we need that after a long day of PvP. Uh, forward camps and siege weapons. This one's a big one. Motif pages for the Alliance and Akaviri styles. Yes, please. Uh, style items for your Alliance. I feel like that was going to repeat it. Sorry about that. Uh, Cold Harbor siege weapons, prismatic rune stones, books of Pelennial. Pelinol, sorry. Housing items. I want that. I want to. I want to see these housing items. Uh, finally, if you truly want to honor Pelinol White Strike, pick up the quote Star Made Wolf's Head costume from the in-game crown store. Let's take so, a look yeah. at the old. Oh yeah. I'm um, probably gonna do a hard pass. <laughs> really, you don't like that headpiece? Um, you know, I. I'm assuming that's part of the costume, right? Like, you can't wear something else and then wear a separate headpiece. 
You know right. what's funny about that? I mean, I, I like it. I think it's really sad that a wolf had to die in order to make this, but it's literally. Hang on, then, a we need to explain head. this to him. We need. Sorry, I mean, we need to explain it to him. Tell him what's what does this look like? Okay, so it's it looks like traditional mage's robes, at least the picture that we're looking at, and then the headpiece is literally a wolf's head, like sitting on top of your your hood. But the funny part is it looks like the wolf is giving you a hug from behind. <laughs> and it looks like his paws. I can't unsee that now. <laughs> yeah, so it looks like his paws, at least on the female character, might be encroaching on the booby area. Oh, my gosh. It actually is kind of hilarious because <laughs> now that I look at it again, there's literally a wolf on your head holding your boobies happened yep and thank you for that because now i cannot unsee that that's all i see (laughs) (laughs) it does though it looks like it's giving you a big hug yeah he's he is perking your breasts up for you gosh all right so yeah (laughs) i mean it's happening it's right i don't design this stuff bro it's right there i know it's there but this is a family show Yes, this is a family show, Dagnabbit. And families have boobies. All right, so this costume is available from the in-game crown store from from July 26th through July 30th. You know what's going to happen? People are going to listen to this part of the show. It's usually when the Discord starts filling up with mentioning said part of show. I can see Discord filling up now. Uh, So... There's that. Mid-Year Mayhem. Get on it. I know that was meaty, but you can earn some cool stuff. Worst case scenario, you get you get in there and get some housing items and you get some cool styles. It's really, really kind of a cool deal for you. So, last Friday, they did an ESO Live. And this is coming to us from the uh, Elder Scrolls Online YouTube channel. Um, they put this on YouTube. We'll have a link in our show notes over at uh, LoreSeekersPodcast.com. But kind of detailing, well, it did detail, the upcoming changes to the werewolf skill lines, respect, and some itemization changes. So I'm just going to go through this, and if there's any part of this cache that you want to stop and talk about, feel free to jump in. Uh, Copy. Starting at 18 minutes in. It's really kind of where they start to talk about werewolf skill lines. And here's some of the points to this. Number one. So with the werewolf, up to this point, there was really, uh, there was very few skills. And so the new changes with the werewolf, it's pretty much about smoothing out your progression with their werewolf um, skill line. And it's all about quality of life changes. That being said, they're be- they're going to be adding, number one, better clarity to the skill progression. So a lot of times, basically from what they were saying, a lot of the verbiage can be confusing with the skill lines. So they're trying to main uh, make that a little bit more mainstream, make it a little bit more clear about what you're getting with the werewolf and the options that you have with the skills. Uh, also, this one right here, they are doing this 
to get more werewolves in dungeons. They are adding a passive that, quote, when you take damage, you deal more damage. End quote. So, if you yeah. are a tank, you are getting all the damage. Guess what? You're going to start dealing more. Damage. Dealing more? How about dealing some? That's true. Because yeah. most tanks are nigh unkillable, yet they can neither kill anything either, for the most part. It takes them forever if you're a true-blooded tank. Yeah, So this is nice. Agreed. 100%. Yep. Uh, and you know what really scares me with this? When I read this, I thought, oh, clothy PvP friends of mine. It's going to hurt. <laughs> yeah. Not only do we melt fast, but apparently our throats will be ripped out faster. <laughs> Thank you. you. <laughs> yep. In the rear with the gear. That's where I'll forever be. Throwing uh, lightning. <laughs> turning and running. Lots of hiding. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. There's also better sustainability with the updated form. That's part of that, that new passive. Uh, and 27 minutes in, they kind of start to detail the whole respec 2.0. For those of you who don't know what that is, basically they're changing the respec system up with the SO. So now, when you respec in the game, no longer do you have to do every skill all over again. You can make minor tweaks to your class skill, or spec, excuse me, by simply adjusting what skill you want to change. It's no longer everything. You can bring it all the way down to even if it's just one skill that you want to adjust. Uh, this is similar to the champion point system. If you've been cured... Oh, sorry. By the way, apparently all the way up through now with ESO, there's been this issue where if you were a werewolf and you were cured... And I don't know if this goes for vampirism as well. Um, but when you were a werewolf, if you were cured your skill points, you didn't get them back. They were pretty much held hostage. So what they're doing with this, they finally figured it out, got it all adjusted. Your skill points will, again, be available to you. So that's awesome. Sorry about all that for any of you. It's not our fault, but sorry about that anyway. <laughs> uh, we also got I don't feel bad for werewolves, not even a little bit. <laughs> it's because they hurt us so much. Yeah. You know what's funny? I was on my Magblade trying to fight a werewolf today. He was just slaughtering me. Just carnage. And you know, I'm like, okay, well, time to make use of stealth. So I stealthed yep. and ran from my I <laughs> turn around, I go the other way. Yeah, exactly. Like um, the mailman. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's see. So build diversity. They're working to improve the quality of life when you want to experiment with your build. That's the whole part with this respect 2.0 hence if you just want to adjust small things really you're going to be fine tuning you can fine tune your hybrid build if you're into that uh, you can uh, also this is a fun one when we're dead guess what we can officially move skills around on our bar Yay! yeah because there's probably a reason that you're dead and you want to remedy that while everybody else in your group is dying. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Buy a werewolf who has a new passive that rips throats. <laughs> That's right. Right off the body. All right. That was graphic. Sorry about that. Uh, 
32 minutes in, itemization changes. When new sets are made, they are working to give people new options, new mechanics, new mechanics to accept to a set, excuse me, which in turn may change the way you play. So that's kind of how they're moving forward when they add new sets to the game. They want to give you a wide new um a wide new variety of changes or options, I'm sorry. And a lot of this stuff is kind of unique mechanics, which I think we're seeing, starting to really see a lot of that uh, with the new, particularly the cloud rest uh, gear, um, some of the new, uh, what was it? I feel like scale caller had some unique stuff to it. I forget exactly what it had, but um, so they mentioned one here. So the blood moon set, this is like a light attack focused set instead of your abilities so it's not about your ability bar so much as hey making sure you're using your light attacks that's actually the main part of that set what they don't want is for you to have to carry numerous sets in your bag but they want you to be able to carry what's best for what you're doing so pve you know obviously may not be the best for pvp and vice versa. Now, I will say this. I was running a PvE set in PvP as my Warden and... or, I'm sorry, my Templar. In fact, a PvE build and it was fantastic. Um, I tried to do the PvP build and I was not as much of a fan, so I guess that's really more of a point of view, but... Hmm, that's interesting, because every PvE build that I've tried, it might be gear-centric, um, every PvE build that I've tried is not very viable in PvP. Yeah, it, that's what was kind of shocking to me too. Was you know, even the skill lines? It was the uh, what was it? The Templar. I don't know the name of the build. It was uh, by Alcast. Uh, shout out for you, dude. Uh, I forget the name of it, but it was a PvE Templar healer. Whatever build that is, you can I look it up. I don't just want to shout out all cast. I want to man bear hug that man <laughs> because his yep. builds are making my game way more fun. I and agree. I know there's, there's other folks out there that have some outstanding builds. Yeah, like Dots I use, Gaming, uh, I use Wohler's build for my, uh, for my tank, my, my baby tank. And I've used Deltius builds before, but I just, I just sink with, all casts builds. I, I like, I just dig his video. Okay. I'm going to fanboy out. I'm going to, I dig his videos. I like the way he does it. I like the way he presents it. Um, and he tells it like it is. I mean, if something's crap, he's going to tell you it's crap and, and you know that he's tried it. So anyway, I'm a fan. All cast HQ.com. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, let's see. Also, they try to really make sure the items reflect what you're doing in game, for instance, trial sets, they really try to beef those up because obviously you're fighting the same bosses over and over and over, so they really want to make those strong. And it's funny that they brought this up, but I guess with crafting sets, they, the focus there is utility. I never thought of that. So yeah, crafting sets. Mm-hmm. So you know, sets that are crafted, hmm. the the focus with those. Is oh, utility. crafted sets. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I'm like, because uh, I'm thinking, hmm, there's a set that makes my crafting mo better. <laughs> you can now mine from your mount. I need to grasp this set. 
always been so a, quickly. I know this is like the ultimate lazy, but I've always been the idea. Man, wouldn't that be a fun like Dweamer mount to where you can not you can sit on your mount and somehow it has some type of claw or something that you can farm from your mount like a node. Wouldn't that just be awesome? Yeah, it would be very engineerish. It would be. I would be down with that. That Fueled would be by awesome, the snow actually. Wells. But then you got to retrofit that to every other build, lest people will complain. Put it behind a paywall. <laughs> yep. Paywall. Uh, paywall it all. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, don't send us hate mail. Put your phone down. Stop it. Uh, all right. So upcoming PTS changes. We've got um, they're tweaking sets for better counters. They mentioned slowed and rune cage. They're going to be changing those around. Slowed. The devils burn them. Oh, if you're on. wearing slowed in PvP, well, you can suck it. <laughs> Very uh, powerful set. Yeah, it's it, super it really annoying. Is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's also other changes coming. In Cyrodiil, you are no longer able to proc item sets while using siege weapons in Cyrodiil. So that's a problem. Wouldn't that be the suck? To yeah. <laughs> Fight somebody who's getting their siege weapon boosted by their set. I think that's kind of funny. But, I mean, how many times have you, like, you know, everybody's, like, focus firing into one spot? How many times? Oh, listen to me. How many times, like, I'm, like, some veteran in Cyrodiil? I've been there, like, four times, so there's <laughs> that. Um, but, you know, you're kind of running around. All of a sudden, you see, like, three or four different giant red circles, and you're standing in the middle of it, and you can't get out in yeah. time. Yeah. Just dead. Immediate dead. It's like a clothy with a werewolf. Just sit and take it, man. Just sit and take it. <laughs> It'll be over soon. Um, animations are changing around to work better with abilities. So basically what they're doing with that is they are going to be... They kind of changed from what I understood, and I could be wrong on this, but I believe this is uh, this is right. Uh, they are, Basically, they changed the timing around with the animations to your abilities. So that way... It visually re- looks better. It all flows better. Could be wrong. If someone from Zoss is listening and that is wrong, please shoot us a tweet so we can correct that. Um, Templars. They mentioned some changes for them. They didn't go over the whole patch notes, but they mentioned this. Templars. So damage scaler for execute being adjusted to 480% from 400%. Wow. Yeah. Rune focus. Ability is being changed as well. The duration is being changed to 20 seconds. Uh, cost of resources has been reverted, by the way. Uh, they changed that around. Um, mend wounds ability will continue to work while only being on one bar. So that's fun. Nice. Mm-hmm. Frees you up. Uh, Vicosa set. Um, this is no longer Templars, by the way. Vicosa set, if you bash a target, it will now apply the debuff. The target must be taunted to you. So there's a debuff with this set if you have the target taunted. It has to be on you. You can't have everybody with Vicosa sets with multiple debuffs. No, it's one debuff for the guy or gal who is taunting said target. So there's that. Um, Or, I'm sorry, for the mob that they are taunting. Uh, Lotus Flower. The heals are now disabled temporarily. So there's that. Well, the heal now. 
So, because I believe Lotus Flower is the Warden ability where you drop it and it will heal after six seconds. Like, it, it ticks. Mm-hmm. And then after six seconds, you get uh, the heal. Right. But it also, you can morph into it where um, you can put it down and then you hit the button again and it will it will heal instantly. Right. As opposed to having to wait the six seconds. So, that's an interesting one. Be curious to know why they did that. Yeah, I, uh, I'm assuming they're tweaking it. I really didn't get a full explanation. Maybe they said it and I missed it, but uh, yeah, I'm kind of interested to see where they go with that. So, if you've been, which you know they fix it for the most part, but if you ex- experienced invisible walls while you were playing, yes, so I know we did for quite a while. Well, they they did implement a fix for that. They are still working on a fix for Cyrodiil keeps. So there's that. And that is your ESO Live wrap-up by Jibs. Uh, let's see what else we got here in the news. Last bit of news for the day. <sighs> this is uh, this is pretty cool looking. Not just for what this is, but what this means for future items coming to ESO. Become monstrous, monstrously fashionable with limited-time outfit styles. This, again, was another post-ESO official. Quote, few of Tamriel's relics are as powerful and fearsome as ESO's monster sets. Now you are able to acquire mask, shoulder, and weapon outfit style pages based on the game's most menacing bosses. So, right now, we have access to the Alambrus-styled sets. Um, You are able to acquire the boss-themed mask and shoulder outfit style pages via in-game activities. You can also purchase new boss-themed weapon outfit style packs from the Crown Store. These are actually available right now, by the way. Uh, They're available right now all the way through August 29th. So we have a month, and that's pretty much how they're going to be doing this. This is going to be running one month for each set that they're going to be putting out. So... What are they going to do next? We don't know yet, but you can get the Alambrus Twin style pages. And actually kind of talks a little bit about this here. So the Alambrus Monster Mask. Now, a lot of you are going to be really familiar with this, especially if you're max level or maybe you're 45 and you're running pledges and you're getting these drops from the keys that you're using for Undaunted Chess. Well, during this month-long period, the Alambrus Monster Mask outfit style page has a chance to drop when you defeat the Crypt of Hearts 1 Dungeon's final boss fight on Veteran Difficulty. Crypt of Hearts 1 is definitely like the go-to for the Lore Seekers Guild. That's this is the one that we get all the time, and it's hilarious because we always end up there, and we're really good in there. So, yeah, we'll probably end up getting this. I hope so. There you go. It'll be included with the uh, usual Monster Mask item, by the way. So when you defeat the final boss... You get the monster mask item, but on top of that, you get the style page. So, yeah, man, I want to get some lore seeker vet runs going. Uh, yep. Your chance to pick up the page is doubled when you have earned the hard mode achievement. Titled <laughs> a crypt for two. Isn't that Quick funny story. We were in Crypto Hearts 1 the other night. We were running through with um, one of our newer members, and we get we were on vet. And we start rolling in there, and I think it was his first vet run. So he, we didn't 
prompt him to tell him not to touch that little glowing page on the ground right outside of where the last boss spawns. <laughs> Next thing you know, screen goes white. All of us have a headache. He clicked on it. And he's like, what is that? What did I do? What does that do? And we go, welcome to the last boss on hard mode. And he just went, oh, no. <laughs> well, we did fine. We did fine. It was a longer fight, but we took the boss down. And um, yeah, so his first veteran dungeon was a hard mode. Pretty that's cool. Awesome. That's yep. That's fun. Um, I was actually in the same boat. I did the exact same thing once with a group. In fact, you were in it. We were in Vaults of Madness, I think. I accidentally clicked it. Uh, so, future Monster Mask outfit style drops will also have an improved chance of dropping if you have the boss's specific hard mode achievement. So, if there's ever, long story short, there's ever been an incentive for you to really get into hard mode dungeons, which I'm very big proponent for when it comes to ESO, because that will help prepare you for raids, now's the time, and you have incentive for it. Um, now, the Alambrus Monster Shoulders... This is nothing really new for us. Um, if you hit 44, I believe it's 44 or 45, you gain access to the Undaunted Pledges. Now, what that is, is every day, in short form, every day there's a daily that you pick up, Undaunted Quests, and, or it's a pledge for the Undaunted. But you go in, you do the quest, you finish it, you get a key from said quest giver. That key opens a chest that gives you what we what they call in the game the monster part of the monster set shoulders okay a monster set is two pieces a shoulder piece and a head piece okay so when we say a lambrus monster shoulders you, these are what you're getting from these chests so that being said to pick up the lambrus monster shoulder outfit style you have a chance of acquiring them from from said chest Named Glitterion the Redbeard's Undaunted Chest. Now, yep. when, when you're there, and they are located, by the way, there's a couple different spots. I believe the main spot, I, I always go to Stormhaven. But right outside Stormhaven, you go there and you'll see three massive chests and kind of like this outdoorsy, I don't know, awning structure. And that's where you turn those keys in for when this chest. So you go up to Redbeard's Undaunted Chest, use the key. And you have a chance at getting the Alambrus monster shoulders. Hopefully, it wasn't too confusing right. for you. No, it wasn't. Stormhaven uh, Undaunted is for Aldmeri Dominion. Oh, um, that's right. Wait a minute. Now, there's three different locations. So there's Stormhaven, there's Grotwood, and I'm not sure what the third one is. I'd have to look it up. But uh, basically, each one of those is for the different factions. Now it doesn't um, matter. And the all the. Yeah, and I mean, and all those pledges are basically is you're pledging to these NPCs that you're going to go and finish whatever random dungeon they have uh, presented to you for the day. And then it resets. Uh, the next day, you'll get another set of three. Right. Um, from uh, One from each of the three different NPCs. Now, here's another interesting fact. Say it's Tuesday and I picked up Undaunted Quests. And um, I didn't finish them on Tuesday. So now it's Wednesday and I still have those three Undaunted Quests in my quest log. You can still finish Tuesdays and get credit for them. But you cannot pick up the next days. You can't pick up Wednesdays 
until you get rid of you can do them one at a time but you um you have to get rid of tuesdays before you can pick up wednesdays so if you picked all the undaunted quests up on tuesday and didn't do any of them and you want to do wednesdays now then you just have to take those quests from tuesday get rid of them out of your quest log and you can pick up wednesdays yeah makes sense that's mostly what i do right but uh so yeah get shoulders man go do pledges open the uh what was it the what i say Clarions, yeah, red yeah, beards and dots. Clarion, the red beard. It's the, he's yep. the dude, the skinny dude. He's all all the way on the right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pledge, by the way, the pledge does not have to be for Crypt of Hearts in order to use Redbeard's chest. It, you right. just need a key. So, completing completing pledges, you just hit forty four. Get on that man. You'll get great XP, uh, which will go towards when your max go towards your champion point levels but it's also a great way for you to get gear. And the greatest thing, too, is opening these chests. Say you're not getting the shoulders you want. Hold on to those. Bank those because you're going to find, and I've found this the more I get into ESO, you're going to come back to needing those shoulder pieces later with different alts that you're working on. You'll already have your shoulder piece. Yes, you can't bank the keys, though. Correct. You can bank the gear, but not the keys. The keys are character-bound. But the um, the things that you get out of uh, the chests are not. They're account bound. Right. right. So you can mix and match. Yep. Uh, this is a fun addition. Uh, feel free to send this. Send some my way. I'm just saying. Uh, the Alambras monster shoulder and mask outfit styles are tradable. Meaning, you can give them to your friends, like Cash and Jibs, because you love us so much. You love us a long time. Or two... <laughs> You can sell them on the open market. I tell you what, right now, you put these on the open market, you're going to make mountains of gold. Put them on there. So yeah. Get you some gold. Yeah. Faux show. Come get me one of those. Faux show. Mm-hmm. I'll take two. Uh, in the future, you'll be able to pick up different monster outfit styles by completing different veteran dungeons with the bonus chance if you have that boss's uh, hard mode achievement. And opening the relevant Undaunted chests. You'll also be able to purchase the Alambra's style arms pack from the in-game crown store. Now, have you had a chance to look at that yet? Because it's, it's Oh on... yeah, I got yeah. my eye on that flaming staff. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Um if you played other MMOs where um the weapons glow or have some kind of um very obvious effect emanating from them, you're gonna be right at home here because it's the same deal. With these guys, it's fire. Yeah, so for all you tanks, all I got to say is, this shield is on fire! <laughs> yep, that totally just happened. Oh my gosh. Edit. <laughs> Edit what, bro? That is amazingness. That, is, that sounds like an angel crawled down my throat. And died. Uh, the- <laughs> oh. All right. <laughs> Quote the... Quote, the Alambras weapons blaze bright with the fire of the Daedric Mage Alambras Zaven himself. Even if your weapons typically have a different looking effect from their enchantment, they'll now appear to burn with overwhelming fire. Take that, vampires. You know what's funny is vampires using this when, you know, lore-wise they, they struggle with fire. But, you know, there's that. Uh, the Lambert style arms pack includes outfit style pages for a battle axe, a bow, a shield, staff, and sword. 
we already kind of mentioned this earlier, but future monster-style arms packs might feature different weapons, but they will always have a style for each weapon type. And that is... Your, oh, wait. We need to give you dates. Uh, the Alambra-style monster masks, shoulders, and weapons are only available from July 25th to August 29th. We didn't say that earlier, did we? Uh, each month, a new monster outfit style will be available. So, that being said, here's what we want to know from you. Um, you know what? No, we're gonna we're gonna wait. We're gonna wait on that. We're gonna wait. But you can oh, always you're call such a us. Tease. I know, I'm a tease. Uh, but you can call us if you want to give us your opinion on the news articles from this week. What you guys think of Respect 2.0? What you think of these uh, style packs coming in? Give us a call. Seven six five. 382-6961. You can leave us a voicemail and play on the show. Um, oh, it's my favorite time. It's my favorite time. It is. It's that time. You all have waited patiently. You've heard me talk far too much this episode. And now I get to prop my feet up and listen to a wonderful lore lesson on the friggin' Imperials. Ah, friggin' Imperials. Well, hang on, hang on. I gotta summon my lore book here. Give oh, yeah, do your thing. I'm, I'm pretty impressed. Are you ready? With Close it. your eyes, because it right. might burn your retinas. Oh, uh, just imagine if the prophet was telling you to close your eyes. All right, go ahead. What do you think of that? I don't know. Coolest ever. It's cool. It's pretty cool. I'll give you props. I'll clap for you today. I didn't clap last week. I'll clap for you today. Well done. Golf clap. Oh, that was well such a lazy clap. You didn't really is, like it, did you? This is a happy Gilmore golf clap right here. So Whatever. Extra Lore lesson clap. 20. Let's talk about the Imperials. It's been so long. Everybody's wanted to talk about the Imperials. Well, we're finally in a place that's lore relevant for us to talk about the stinking Imperials. Mm -hmm. Actually, they're quite interesting. But here we go. So they are also, the Imperials, our friends... Maybe not. Are also known as the Syro Nordics or the Cyrodiilics, which sounds like an 80s uh, rock band. But <laughs> they are quite refined. Not as refined as the Altmer. But they are very refined, very educated natives of the province of Cyrodiil. Imperial culture centers around commerce, the training of their civilian armies, and their respect for the laws of the land. Let's dive in. Really interesting lore lesson, but I did not feel the overwhelming urge to want to go make an Imperial when we were done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. might. I just didn't. So let's talk about some physical traits. So Imperials are less physically impressive than some of the other races of Tamriel. I don't mean they're out of shape. I just mean that they are more effective as like traders and diplomats, although they have a very strict dedication to training, particularly with light infantry, and that has allowed them to become the force of the empire that they are. And, um, you know, they've become a very strong force to be reckoned with within the greater struggle of Tamriel. They have incredible martial influence to pretty much all the other nations and they have in a lot of ways forged peace and prosperity through the empire that they that they rule that they touch um so this overwhelmingly civilized culture of imperials is really highlighted by their cosmopolitanism 
What is that? Well, it's kind of the ideology that all humans belong to one single community based on a shared morality. So all this time we kind of bag on them a little bit, but you know what? They, in the end, they really did have a big influence for good reason. Mm-hmm. So this shared morality, um, they've become very, very skilled in commerce and diplomacy. And this most likely manifested due to Cyrodiil's geographical location. They're kind of right in the middle of everything. They're surrounded by almost all varying cultures of Tamriel. So they really became experts at like building relationships and kind of maintaining order. Right. And people kind of followed suit. Imperial culture and progressivism is driven by their mastery of mercantilism, which is basically making and selling stuff. They have an incredible river network in Cyrodiil, and that allowed for the effective exportation of goods, including like textiles. They were known for having very, very colorful fabrics that they exported. Moon sugar, I lolled. Rice and armor <laughs> are some of their major exports. But they use that that river system to get those things to areas that, you know, they could sell them. Right. So Western Colovia is kind of the western part of the western areas of Cyrodiil. And there were also Imperials there too. But the Colovians, which we have run into in Reaper's March, have really chosen to follow a more of a basic lifestyle in accordance with their uh, Nordic ancestry. So they, a lot of them have become like mercenaries and pirates. There's a really good quest line actually right outside of our, um, where our tavern is located in Northern Re- Reaper's March. Mm-hmm. It's uh, the town of Berenthia. There's a really good quest line up there where you get to go liberate the town of Berenthia from Colobian uh, influence. Kind of cool. There's a lot of history there. That's awesome. Speaking of history... During the Merithic era, the imperial race was born. This is like their, like the dead-on baseline. Where did they come from? Well, I'm about to tell you. In the Merithic era, the imperial race was born of the original Nibbanese tribesmen. What is that? Well, it's the race of men from Nibbane. Huh. They were also comprised of needs. The race of men indigenous to Cyrodiil, Hammerfell, Skyrim, and Morrowind, and the Syro Nords, which were the original Nords to settle in the province of Cyrodiil. So, all three of those, the Nibbanese, the Needs, and the Syro Nords, came together to make the imperial race, basically. And how did that happen? Well, in the first era, actually, it was the first era, year 242 to be exact. These three races were subjugated by the Aldmer, sorry, and the Aelids. Very interesting. Um, and they basically led a massive rebellion against the Aldmer and the Aelids, uh, led by the guidance of St. Alessia, which is a name that we've all heard in Elder Scrolls Online. So let's talk a little bit about St. Alessia. Mm-hmm. She's also known as Queen Alessia. And she led this rebellion of men, of the first Imperials, against the tyrannical Aldmer and the Aelids, freeing all of Cyrodiil from slavery and thus forming the first Cyrodiilic Empire. Those are your first Imperials right there. Huh. Here's a little fun. Yeah, kind of interesting, huh? Yeah. 
I got a lot of fun facts on this one. It's, it was really kind of a neat lesson to, uh, to research and write. So the fun fact, the first one. Through her rebellion and the establishment of the first Cyrodiilic Empire, Queen Alessia became the empire's first empress, and she continued her influence by establishing a new religion that eventually spread to the entirety of Tamriel through imperial rule. I'm going to repeat that. The empress, Queen Alessia, established a new religion that eventually spread to the entirety of Tamriel through imperial rule. Kind of guess what it is. A fusion of Nordic and Aldmeri pantheons. She created the religion of the eight divines. Wow. Okay. I did not know that. Yeah, that's huge. Big history. Big, big history. So I was like, whoa, that has to be a fun fact. So eventually, the Alessian Empire would spread their influence into the other provinces of Tamriel, but the Colovian West, remember those renegades from the West, would eventually break away and cause a civil war. So the resulting civil war broke the empire for the time being. And then uh, the very distinct cultures of the Nibine Valley and the Colovians of the West would reunite once again to repel an invasion of Akaviri forces late in the First Era. So this is like uh, First Era 2703. Okay. And that, them rejoining back up is what started the creation of the Second Empire. A man by the name of Remen Cyrodiil, also known as the Worldly God, he was the Colovian founder of the Remen dynasty. This man brought the two armies together and was eventually able to bring all of the races man in Tamriel, the races of man in Tamriel, back together to combat possible aggression from the Aldmer of Somerset. Because they were on a run at this point, the Aldmer. So the Imperials got back together and created the Second Empire to quell that threat of the Aldmer from Somerset. Another fun fact for you. Contrary to popular belief, the province of Cyrodiil was not named after Remen Cyrodiil. Instead, Remen had adopted the ancient alien name from the province of Sirod as his surname. So Cyrodiil is named after the ancient alien province of Sirod. Wow, okay. Yeah. So soon after, the Second Empire um, got back together to quell the threat of the Aldmer from Somerset. They would subsequently control every single province of Tamriel with the exception of Morrowind. Morrowind is gnarly. Dunmer are gnarly. So the the Empire's attempt at conquest of Morrowind would eventually lead to the end of the Remen control and the Akaviri would take control as a result of something called the Four Score War. What is the Four Score War? Tell me. I will, I will. <laughs> the Four Score War was a war between the Remen Dynasty and the tribunal led forces of the Dunmer, where control of Morrowind was at stake. Remember, Morrowind was the last bastion that the Remen Dynasty wanted to take over. This war lasted for 80 years, Whoa. but was abruptly ended. You're going to love this, dude. The war lasted for 80 years, but was abruptly ended when Emperor Remen III 
was assassinated by the Morag Tom. Hey, way to go, B team. I know, it's like that's all it took was for for them to stab one guy in the throat. Why don't you do that eighty years ago? Right. <sighs> See, but. if it was Dark Brotherhood, we would have done it ten days in. Just saying. Maybe twelve. Oh, you're such a badass. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the throne after the assassination of Emperor Remen III by the Morag Tong, the throne was passed to the Akaviri uh, potentate Veristu Shea, who ended the further attacks against the province of Morrowind. Huh. Yes, another fun fact. Many of the old forts and castle ruins that you see in Skyrim are leftover remnants of the fortification network built by the Remen to defend against the Akaviri invasion of the First Era. Wow. Yes, and that goes for not only Skyrim, but surrounding zones, such as Reaper's March. And I want you to remember that fun fact as we end our show. Mm-hmm. You listen to the tales of what Jibs and I have been up to for the past week when our show ends. This rings true. So the Akaviri uh, potentate would rule until uh, about mid in the second era, about year 430. But the empire would once again crumble to poor leadership and a series of assassinations. So this failure led to what is known now as the Interregnum. Let's talk a little bit about what the Interregnum is. The Interregnum is a period of history... Between the demise of the Second Empire and the declaration of the Third Empire by Tiber Septum. Crap gets super interesting right here. So, yeah, put the baby down and pay attention. All right? <laughs> put your responsibility away for a second. Yes. And listen, listen to, to what I'm saying. This is, crap gets really cool right here. So, anyway. During this five-century period in between the Second Empire and the Declaration of the Third Empire by Tiber Septum, a heated battle for political control took place between racial alliances, small kingdoms, and petty states. Most of the conflict occurred in the province of Cyrodiil alone, where the Empire of Cyrodiil existed by name only. Cyrodiil being fought for. By small kingdoms, petty states, racial alliances. Does that sound familiar, my friends? It does sound This is the period of the Elder Scrolls Online. This is the fight for Cyrodiil. It's what we're doing right now. It's what what you're playing when you go to Cyrodiil. So eventually, it would take the influence of a notable Nord to reunite the Imperial province. Tiber Septum was given control over the forces of Kulikane... A Kolovian king. The enemies of Kulikane were quickly dispatched by Tiber Septum as a new general, and this was the first step in reuniting Cyrodiil. So Kulikane was assassinated in uh, year 854 of the Second Era. Tiber Septum steps in, assumes the throne, and subsequently ends up winning over the hearts and minds of Cyrodiil itself reforging their strength and their unity under Tiber Septim's self-proclaimed Third Empire. Hmm. He just came in and said, Second Empire is over. I'm in charge. I start the third right now. We're starting fresh. 
You know, this isn't a, a snide remark, but it sounds very imperial. Uh, based off just the way that over all these years that we've interacted with Imperial NPCs. This sounds very Imperial. <laughs> yeah, but still not as douchey as the Altmer. Yeah, that's that's true. That. That's just, a whole level of douchebaggery. You just, it's, it's hard to reach. It's a whole new level of douchebaggery. Because I can, I can get behind what the Imperials stood for with their cosmopolitanism. Right. right. You know, just unite everybody under one banner, under one way of life. I... I I can totally get behind that. Right. But there still has to be some element of respecting all the other cultures that are out there. Because, it, I mean, dude, it rings true in life today. There's so many cool cultures out there and you just can't close your minds off to them. Um, so it's the same here. I mean, I would. Right. You know, so I wonder, I'd like to dive more into Imperial uh, way of life and, and how they reacted to those other provinces when they, you know, came in contact with, say, the Khajiit or the Argonians. You know, what did they right. think there? Are they going to, you know, try and turn them or are they going to allow them to continue to practice their heritage and maybe still live, you know, kind of a, a more civilized life under imperial rule? Mm-hmm. So, okay, another fun fact. The Imperials, and we probably, you know this one, but the Imperials held Tiber Septim in such high regard that he was venerated as a god of the nine divines. He became the ninth divine. Right. But whether or not he was an actual god and worthy of that title is a fact that is long debated in the history of Tamriel and will probably be forever. So, hmm. yeah, it's kind of neat. So let's talk about some notable Imperials. Um, complete douchebaggery. Abner Tharn. <laughs> Abner Tharn, which, yeah. Which you, you know is the father to Clivia Tharn. Uh, she's the Empress Regent of Tamriel. So Abner, her pops, is the High Chancellor and Overlord of Nibene. And he is the one of the original members of the Five Companions and not a friend <laughs> of Lyris Titanborn. Like you put this in the notes. <laughs> at all. Yeah. Lyris wants to rip his throat out at every turn. But he is kind of a douchebag. But he's funnier than hell, some of the stuff he says to Lyrus. Right? Oh, man. Yes. So um, if you're unfamiliar with what I'm even talking about right now, it is the main quest line for your Elder Scrolls Online character. Um, play it. It's really freaking good. Agreed. Then there's Alessia, who we talked about, also known as Saint Alessia. She was the Nedic woman in the first era responsible for ending human enslavement by the Aelids, and she founded the first Cyrodiilic Empire. Here's an interesting one that I remembered, and I was like, yeah, that one's cool. Uh, Lucian Lachance. He's a speaker for the Black Hand during the Third Era. So if you played Elder Scrolls Oblivion, and you go through the Dark Brotherhood questline, he's the... He's the very first contact and recruiter for the hero of Kavach, which is you, the player, into the Dark Brotherhood in Elder Scrolls Oblivion. I remember that. Yeah, then there is our retired friend with a bad <laughs> hip. We don't... And the creepy, creepy invitations to his cave. <laughs> Varen Aquilarios, also known as the Prophet, when first met by the Vestige, which is all of you, my friends. He's an imperial sorcerer, a moth priest, blind as a bat, 
and a former emperor of Cyrodiil. He's a founding member of the Five Companions and is the main and is in the main quest line of the Elder Scrolls Online. Also, once again, if you don't know who the prophet is, then you should probably take a screwdriver and no, s- no, no. we're not doing that anymore. No, okay. They just, just play the damn main quest line. <laughs> Beta rays. I'm talking straight to you. He's never done Ooh. it. He's doing it right now. We shamed him into it. Oh. Yeah, I think he likes it too. I it's think a, he digs on Lyris. It's like a I good. Do. Tell you what, that's a whole lot of Nord right there. That's a whole lot of woman right there. That's a whole lot of Nord. She smother you with some love. I feel like one of just a hug alone would kill me. Like th- that yeah. woman is strong. <laughs> That's sexy uh, as all hell. Oh I like man. It. Well, good lore lesson. You know, I I didn't realize so much what they stood for before. You know, uh, listening to this, but now I I get it. And I, I'm, I really do think I'm in your, your boat. I have a greater respect and appreciation for them, but I don't think I'll go making an Imperial anytime soon. Yeah. yeah I'm not into it. I, I was thinking if anything, if I was going to make an Imperial, I'd make it, I'd change my race for my crafter. <laughs> it's a merchant. <laughs> there you go. That makes sense. Yeah, but, but nah. No, it's cool. I mean, I like the history of it, but it just, you know. Right. Is what it is. Cool armor. Nice job. Yeah. Thumbs up. Cool armor. I dig it. I dig it. Well, good job. Holy crap. Stalker. Freaking found us. What's up, man? I've been looking for you. Got something I'm supposed to deliver. Your hands only. Thank you so much. Uh, We've got mail. You ready for mail? Let's do it. All right, let's check this out here. Colric. Um, uh, oh, by the way, before I should preface this, so yeah, uh, you can write us anytime, Podcast gmail.com, or you can call us, and uh, we like what we see, what we hear. We will put it on the episode and answer your questions. So, first one, uh, first email coming to us from Colric says, Hey, Jibs and Cash. Colric here. I just finished episode one of volume two, and I wanted to say, great job, guys. Thank you, man. Gosh, I appreciate that. Uh, It says, I figure you two have a lot of juice, so how about telling Zoss that we need crossbows to go with our werewolf hunting outfits? Love the show. Keep up the great work. I feel like we've addressed that at some point. Crossbows and ESO? I think we did address it, but and I hate to break Colric's um, hope here, but um, we have we have no juice. We're just a couple of dorks talking about a game that we like. That's it. Um, but seriously, um, Sauce, can we have those? That that would be pretty cool, right? Like I, I don't. It would be pretty cool. I mean, and I, th- that... I think you missed the beginning of Colric's um, mail to us. Oh. When he mentioned the fact that he was going to try and put it onto the um, onto the voicemail, yeah. But you talk too damn fast. Oh, I don't remember that part of the email. I must have missed it, huh? I'm sure you did. I must have missed that part. Wonder where it went. <laughs> Wonder where it went. Oh man. Anyway, uh, thanks, Corrick. I 
You know what? I, I'll be honest. I would love to see that uh, more weapons added to ESO, particularly in future expansions, expanding upon the weapon sets, crossbows being one of them. Worst case scenario, you start making costumes for which, well, I guess we're already doing that, weapon styles. So, I mean, you know, you could totally do that. I don't know. I, I mean, would it be great? Yeah, but I just don't know that they can do it at this point. I think it would be like have to do like a major yeah, overhaul you're, you're, just because of, yeah. you know what I mean? Because right. like firing a crossbow is completely different than firing a bow. It is. Animations have to be different. And the, I could see that. Right. That would have to be added in with probably an expansion because that would probably take the amount of work to get it ready. So right. anyway, uh, what else we got here from... Zork with two Z's. <laughs> I dig the name. Nice. Uh, with the Alambra styles getting announced, what other dungeon styles would you like to see added to the game? Thanks. Love the show. Keep up the good work, Zork. Thanks, man. Uh, gosh. Cash, you want to go first? Uh, other dungeon styles. Let that- me think here. I actually use Alambras. Um, but you know the ones that I really like are like the true like Daedric styles. Yeah. So like um, you know something from like Spindle, where you have all those Daedric spiders and stuff like that. I think that would be a really cool one. I agree. Um, um, and I like I really like the Meiji robe stuff. Yeah. Yep. So you know more like sinister. Your kind of rogue slash mage looking stuff. I really like that stuff. So I'm, I don't know. I guess I really can't give you an example of one per se that I like. Dang, Zork, this is a hard question. <laughs> They're all so Put good. me on the spot like that. So good. Uh, okay, so I, I didn't mention this earlier, but I feel like it should be mentioned. Whenever you see a company start doing something like this where it's going to be based off of lore within the game you can expect great things and you're going to see these great things months down the road especially after they've been in this for a while and then they're going to get really adventurous and really creative um that being said yeah i would love to see spindle clutch but actually see like webbing hanging off of the shoulders um you know just totally just spider that thing out uh, i forget the dungeon we ran it the other day. It's a Daedric Realm, and the last boss is a... It's kind of like you walk up these steps, and there's a massive... It's not a dragon. It's some kind of Daedric beast that you fight, and you have to portal out. Um, I can't think of it. Um, you're with this, girl, with this girl. It has to do with her brother. Um, I forget. Somebody's shouting it who's uh, listening. I, I forget. But anyway, those Daedric... Like, dragon-looking creatures that kind of have, like, the blue glow that's coming out of their mouths and their and their eyes, or even the white glow, I believe, is in that dude's case. Is that case. Dramothra? I don't know. If, is that called Dramothra? M- maybe? Forgetting. Yeah, maybe. Or even more so, kind of going off what you said with Daedric, kind of going back to the old Oblivion-style Daedric armor, where it was big and just bulky. I mean, it just wasn't the spikes coming off. It was... The, the the rest of the shoulder guards leading up to those spikes. I mean, that was thick armor, and it was awesome looking. So maybe something just a little bit, you know, more extravagant, a little bit thicker, bigger, 
maybe, you know, just kind of going back to the classic Elder Scrolls games. But uh, anyway, good question. I dig it. Thank yep. you guys for your messages. You can always, again, leave us uh, voicemails at 765-382-6961. Or uh, you can email us, lorseekerspodcast.gmail.com. But uh, anyway. You can email or you can send us a uh, voicemail at 765-382-6961. For Mara's sake, Jibs. I was going to go over it again. Dang it. We're in the outro now. Welcome, everybody. This is Behind the Curtain. Welcome to the outro. (laughs) Handled. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you guys so much for coming back every week, tuning into the show. We can't express how much we love and appreciate your support. You guys make all the difference. You truly, truly do. Uh, If you enjoyed this show, we hope you did. Head on over to iTunes. Give us a five-star review. Every five-star review that we get, we give you a shout-out on the show. You can also call us, Cash, at 765-382-6961. If you like what we hear, we'll put it on the show. Uh, you can also email us anytime, Podcast at gmail.com. Or easier way to do this would actually be to go to lorsecretspodcast.com. Fill out the form at the bottom of the homepage, and that'll go right to us. Cash, we have a guilt. Yes, we do. Come and join us, loreseekerspodcast.com forward slash guild. Come join the fun, my friends. It is awesome. All you got to do is download Discord, and then join our Discord server, and then this is the kicker. Once you're in our Discord server, you won't be able to see all the glory that our discord server is you're going to see two channels basically the apply channel what's the other one uh uh, welcome to lore seekers basically yeah welcome to lore seekers and the apply channel you have to go into the apply channel and type forward slash apply just because you join our discord server you're not going to see a thing until we see your application so it's funny because when we go through the list of all the people who have like joined the, the server there's a ton of them that join the server and then they never apply. So you got to join the server. Once you're in there, you can apply forward slash apply in the apply channel. And it's a timed thing. Yeah. Remember and that. we will, um, will uh, that will allow you to fill out the short application, look at our code of conduct and stuff like that. It's a really easy process and we're really quick about uh, getting those things. And then we can start chatting with you and get you in. And, um, yeah, we're just super stoked about our guild. It's it's doing very, very well. We have a lot of really good people oh gosh, in our guild yeah. and people that absolutely want to step up and help you and answer your questions and guide you through the immense game that we have before us, the amazing game that we have. So come and join us. Really, really good um, community to be a part of. Yeah, that ESO 101 live event we had, what we had, we had over 20 people that showed up for the event. I mean, for public dungeons. I mean, it was it was fantastic. Uh, yep. So, yeah, all kinds of awesome things you can partake of. Um, you can find this show wherever podcasts are available. Uh, you can find us on Spotify. We're proud of that one. iTunes, Stitcher, whatever app you're using, you can find us there. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Follow myself on Twitter at JibsIRL, Cash at ModCash with a K, and most importantly, the show. 
at Lore Seekers Cast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you liked the Imperial Lore lesson. And uh, you know what? Have a great week in gaming. We'll see you guys next week. Dilly, Dilly, take that Bud Light. Middas, 25th of Sun's Height, 2nd Era, Year 584. Jibs and I traveled east out of Fort Grimwatch today, hoping to avoid running into trouble with the Colobian occupation at Arinthia. We heard word-of-mouth reports that the area was crawling with Imperials, so we decided to stay to the south of the area and give it a wide berth in case any scouts were lurking about. We came upon an old fort just off the eastern road, north of Dune, Just before the fort, a female Imperial approached us and warned us that the road wasn't safe. She said she was tracking a group of thieves who had stolen some relics from a temple of Mara just over the borders of Reaper's March. Relics, we said. We looked at each other, nodded our heads, and headed in the direction she just told us to avoid. We came upon the fort. It seemed abandoned, yet strategically tucked into the granite of this mountain's face. This place would have been rough to assault from the outside. As we approached the ruin, strewn about scattered rock formations and dying foliage, an attractive woman, about 30 years old, warily motioned us over. It turns out, the woman was a servant of Mara, from the church that had been lifted of their relics. What luck! The priests had been traveling with a squad of temple guards as they were searching for the bandits who raided their temple. Apparently, they store four relics incredibly valuable to the church. A circlet, a dagger, a phylactery, and the coveted chalice of Mara. It didn't take us but a fleeting moment for Jibs and I to tighten our bootstraps and head inside. What was this place? Jibs was at a loss, but we sure did want to know its history. It makes a difference to know what you're getting into in these cave systems. Are we going to be dealing with a necro threat? Because the undead are certainly more difficult to cull than a bandit or two. As if on cue, I nearly tripped on an old tome near the entrance. Its title? The Fort Sphinxmoth Ruins by Calantius of Skingrad. It read, The ruins of Fort Sphinxmoth lie hidden in the canyons of northern elsewhere, near the border with Valenwood. The Remnant Empire built this fortress into the side of a mountain so as to have an impregnable base, from whence columns of legionaries could be sent out to patrol the borders. The location offered elevation and a good source of stone to build the walls of the outside fortress. The result was a large bastion with defensive walls, towers, and a subterranean series of halls, rooms, and dungeons built into the bowels of the mountain. It is said that the legionaries outfitted their fortress with many traps of cunning and clever design to defend themselves should the walls ever be breached. Fort Sphinxmoth was abandoned by the legions after the fall of the Second Empire, then was traded back 
and forth for a generation between warring Bosmeri and Kajidi tribes, suffering additional damage every time it changed hands. Finally, a landslide destroyed much of the upper works and the fort was vacated by both sides. Word of mouth said that nothing worth looting was left in Fort Sphinx Moth, and today it's no more than an overgrown ruin that's been bypassed by history. Hmm, I thought. Interesting. Considering where we were in Tamriel and the reports of a Colovian occupation in the area, it made sense why this bastion would have been carved into the mountainside. The Remen Empire, always injecting their delusions of grandeur into those willing or unwilling to listen. Anyhow, Jibs and I stealthily entered the fort in search of these relics. At first, we wanted to stay silent and merely steal them back from these undoubtedly dim-witted bandits, but that wasn't quite the way it went down. First off, there were more traps and bandit dirt bags in this place than we anticipated. So stealth was out the window. There was no way we'd have gotten through that place without alerting somebody, and we all know how clumsy old Gypsy can be tripping over his own feet all the time. So we went with plan B. Melt everything. Well, except for the four temple guards that we rescued out of that place, the bandits had captured them all. As a matter of fact, I wondered if they'd even put up a fight. For Mara's sake, they looked meek. The fort was a maze of winding turns, multiple levels, bear, fire, and spike traps, and mage-locked doors. But we made it through. You know, sometimes I feel bad for the dumbasses who attack us. We may not look like much, but we've seen quite a bit of this world, and we've learned how to deal with its evil. A group of unsuspecting bandits and poorly crafted medium armor and chipped swords isn't going to pose much of an obstacle. But the loyalty in these thieves... If even one would have offered to surrender, they would have lived to fight another day. But they just came, one after another, dying valiantly for a cause I'll never support or understand. Why not just put that loyalty into something for good? We left a lot of dead in that old fort. Something that never sits well with us. But we recovered the relics, all four of them. I guess the lives of the decent folks we did save outweighed the vanquishment of the bad ones, but still. Oh, and you'd think the priestess would maybe have slipped us one of those relics for our own collection, but nope. Instead, she thanked us with a pouch of coins and sent us on our way. All in all, we felt good about being able to spread some hope. But between you and I, I hope Mara took note. Because we sure could use the blessing on the rest of this journey. <laughs>